Okay, we're going live. I just turned on my camcorder here. And uh, very busy day today. Unfortunately, I don't like busy days. Uh, it takes me out of prayer, stuff like that. But things have to get done. Anyhow, let's get on with this teaching here. This is called, this is live stream number 65, January 24th, um, January 25th, uh, 2024. And... This is called, Is the Devil Truly a Defeated Foe Like Many Say He Is? Very interesting teaching. And I wrote here, we need to know once for all if he, the devil, is or not defeated because this is a matter of life and death for many saints. For many saints. I already know the answer. <clears throat> so I'm going to get into some pretty heavy-duty details here regarding uh, the enemy, our place in defeating him, uh, Jesus... So let's go back. Let's first of all, I should have started. Uh, I started here with Revelations 12, 7 to 8, because it has to do with the war that breaks out in heaven. Uh, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they, the dragon and his angels, did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Right? So Lucifer became a dragon <clears throat> back in heaven. So note here, this is the foundation of all spiritual warfare or warfare of the spirits or the spiritual realm. All right? And uh, let's move on here to Genesis 2.15, which is the next, te the next important verse regarding warfare and defeating the enemy. Because this is has to do with defeating the enemy, right? I said a defeated foe. So, the Lord, then the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep, to guard and protect it. Alright, very interesting. Very interesting. This command from God to man was pre-fall, before the fall. Therefore, there was a spiritual warfare back in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man in the same way that there was a spiritual warfare back in heaven before God created man in which we just looked at. Revelations 12, 7, 8. So, I wrote here, we will now fast forward. i got to get my Bible here for this verse. We will now fast forward towards the ministry of Jesus and his first disciples, which is what we call pre-cross, before the cross. Alright? So, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. So, let's see a little bit here about Jesus and how he dealt with the enemy and demons because the way he dealt with them is the way we're supposed to deal with them. So let's go to Matthew 8, 17, 16. When evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were under the power of demons and he drove out the spirits with a word. With a word. Alright? So that's very, that's very important. Sorry for moving around here like this. <laughs> with a word. Alright? And we're going to see this a reoccurring um, reoccurring fact here, factor in all of this. Let's go to Luke 4, 2 to 13, the temptation account in the wilderness. Three times, three times, Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Three times, right? The Word. We just looked at that in uh, Matthew 8. But Luke in, in Luke 4.13, the last verse of this Luke 4, it says, And when the devil had ended every 
temptation or the complete cycle of temptation, he temporarily left Jesus, that is, stood off from him until another opportune and favorable time. This is the way he works. See? Just because he goes, when you resist him, that's what Jesus did. He resisted him. Yeah. Let's look at Luke 8, 11 to 15. That's the parable of the sower. And of course, there's two other ones, Mark 4, 13 to 20, and Matthew 13, 18 to 23. Let's start with Luke 8, 11. We're just going to look at Luke 8 today. Now the parable of this, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. See, there is again, the word. So the word, with a word, he drove out demons. It is written, the word. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes immediately and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word, there it is again, with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, yeah, <laughs> and in time of temptation, they fall away. See, the temptation, the tempter, back with Jesus in the wilderness. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, heard the word, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Fifteen, but the ones that fell on the good ground um, are those who, having heard the word, there it is again, the word, uh, and with a noble and good heart, keep, guard and protect that word, and bear fruit with patience, and even better, with endurance. Very important, very important regarding the word. Let's look at Luke 10, 19. Behold, Jesus says, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So he gives him his power over the power of the enemy. All right, that's very important. Acts 10.38, this is all pre-cross. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about <clears throat> doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. There you go. For God was with him. I wrote here, we will now fast forward towards the ministry of the church, the body of Christ, the new creation, which is what I call post-cross, after the cross. So let's look at Ephesians 4.27, what it says, what the word says, regarding how we deal with the enemy. So it says here, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So it's up to us. It's up to us. We have the authority. We have to... We got to make sure we shut the doors. We don't open doors to him. We shut doors. And one of the ways you do that is you walk by faith. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why the whole armor? Not just the armor, but the whole armor. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Oh, really? Oh, I thought the devil was powerless. Ha ha, ha ha. Yeah, and this is post-cross. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of dark darkness of the sage, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, therefore take up, he's, he repeats himself again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or resist in the evil day and having done all to stand. So, 
How in the world can the devil be powerless towards Christians when we're told, especially post-cross, after the cross, we're told put a, to put on the armor and to be strong in the Lord. And one of the ways that you're strong in the Lord is by putting on the armor because Jesus is the armor. Once you break down the armor. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to, I sent to know your faith, lest by, by some means the tempter, the devil, had tempted you, the same one who tempted Jesus, had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. What? Well, I thought the devil was powerless. I thought he was stripped of his power. Yeah, well, we're going to look at that. No, he wasn't stripped of his power. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. These are people that were born again. They departed from the faith, meaning they were part of the faith, and they started giving heed to deceiving spirits. Well, I thought the devil had no power over them. No, he does. He does. We have to stop him. We have to stop him because we've been given God's power. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Why? Resist the devil. Oh, really? And he will flee from you. Oh, so what happens if I don't submit to God? What happens if I don't resist the devil? Guess what? He won't flee from you. Guess what? He's going to devour you. 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9. Casting all your care upon him, the Lord, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Oh, really? Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So why? First of all, cast your cares upon the Lord. That's part of it. That's part of resisting the devil. Yeah, so if you don't cast your cares upon the Lord, guess what? He's going to devour you with the cares. Be sober and be vigilant. Well, what happens if you're not sober and vigilant? I know a lot of Christians that are not sober and vigilant. And they don't cast their cares. They carry their cares. They're full of worry. Yeah. Resist him. And then you resist him. Well, what happens if you don't resist him? <laughs> Steadfast in the faith. Yeah. Walk by faith. So what happens if you don't resist him in faith? Guess what? He's going to devour you. And he does. He devours Millions of Christians. First John 2.14 I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning, Jesus. I have written to you young men, listen to this, because you are strong. Why are they strong? Why? And the word of God abides in you. Oh, really? And you have overcome the wicked one. Well, the key to this is the word of God abiding in you. Going back to the word. Going back to the word. What we begin with. Right? The word. So, if you don't have the word of God, if you if you don't have the word of God abiding in you, you won't be strong and you will not be able to overcome the wicked one. All right. So I say all of this in context with Colossians 2:13 to 15. Because those who say that the devil Satan our enemy is already and has already been defeated at the cross, use this these verses, especially verse 15, but nothing could be furthest from the truth. So I'm not going to get into too much detail about this, but i got to touch on this a little bit. So let's read through Colossians 2, 13 to 15. This is New King James. 
And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He, God, has made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven you all trespasses. 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. 15. Having disarmed principalities. Oh, there you <laughs> Yeah, hold on. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Wow. All right. So, before I get into my note here, I just want to, I want to read here those, this word disarming uh, in 15 here, New King James, the New English Translation, the Amplified Bible, the Classic and Expanded Bible, uh, and sorry, the um, yeah, the New English Translation and the Amplified Bible Classic Edition both have the word disarming. Okay, I love that word, but it's not quite as accurate as it should be. Uh, the Expanded Bible has um, the Expanded Bible and the Young's Literal Translation have having stripped the principalities. So we've got disarming, having stripped. All right, and then. In the King James Version, for Colossians 2.15, it says, having spoiled. Alright, so these are very common words in throughout a lot of translations and versions. Alright, so I just put those to give us a good idea of what is out there. And translations in English. But I never got into the Greek, and I'm not going to get into the Greek today. Alright, so I wrote here, we need to understand verse 15 that we just read. In context with the whole chapter, of course, but at least with verse 13, which has to do with the forgiveness of sins. And then we get into verse 14, which tells us how, how he forgave us. How. All right? And then he goes into 15. I wrote here, if the devil had or has been stripped, spoiled, disarmed of his power over us at the cross, why do we have all those other verses we've already looked at in the post-cross section regarding the ministry of the church? Yeah, why? Why? You put verse 15, Colossians 2.15, up against all those other verses, there's something wrong. Not with the Word, but with our interpretation. There seems to be a contradiction, but there are no contradictions in the Bible, yet there are paradoxes, and that's what it is. It's a paradox, all right? And it's also based upon a misinter misinterpretation, all right? More than a paradox. What about 1 John 3, 8? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. My note is, is this at the cross or during his ministry, as we read in Acts 10, 38? Did he come to destroy the works of the enemy at the cross? Is that what he's referring to there? Or is he talking about when he manifested, he started starting his ministry? He start, What did he do? He started healing people? Yeah. He started casting out demons. Right? So, that's the works of the enemy. Uh, sickness, disease, infirmities. That's Those are works of the enemy. And of course, being, you know... Uh, being possessed by, by demons, that's a work of the enemy, obviously. That's a no-brainer. I wrote here, I don't have time to get into this part. Dave Roberson, uh, the Lord used him 
huge in my life years ago, rightly said that we need to transform away from the devil by transforming our soul or sense man into the image of Christ, which includes new creation in Christ's realities. Because the part of you that the enemy goes after is your soul, not your spirit, because your spirit is recreated. That's where the Holy Spirit resides, but not in your soul. So that's where all the strongholds are. So my final note is this, like every other subject or theme in the Bible, we need to look at each one of them according to the whole counsel of God and not a partial counsel of God's Word. That's very important and we need to understand this regarding, especially when it comes to warfare, not just warfare, but that's a big one. That's a big one. So I want to thank you for your time and as I always finish my videos, I encourage you to learn to walk in the fullness of your sonship. Uh, by learning to walk in the fullness of the grace of God and of the faith of God because it's faith that gives access to the grace of God. Shalom and Amen.